Roe versus Wade is overturned. The fight for life it truly begins now. And in what I believe is the providence of God, I have officially launched my organization this month in the most decisive turning point for life in my lifetime. This new movement could literally change the landscape of our nation. And I'm inviting you to join me as an ally in the White Rose Resistance. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I have been planning this episode and this uh, new organization for some time. I'm very excited to share this with you. Uh, you may have heard some of you through word of mouth that I've been launching uh, my own organization, but this is our first podcast episode publicly announcing my new organization. And so I wanted to do a whole episode on it together with you. This will be a little bit more conversational. I hope you kind of feel like uh, we're just hanging out, <laughs> you and I in your car, wherever you're at. Um, we're not going to go point through point on everything happening in the country right now. We do that every week, as you know. But um, I, I felt that it was time for me to launch something much bigger uh, than Seth Gruber, if you will. As you know, I'm a pro-life speaker. I do this full time. Uh, but I think it's time that I start replicating myself and building something that can have a much bigger impact than one man alone. Uh, nothing against the people who are speakers and authors, and that's that's their lane. I'm going to keep doing that. I just I want I wanted to build something that was, if you will, the turning point USA of the pro-life movement, uh, to quote my friend Charlie Kirk, where we play offense with a sense of urgency to win the abortion war, which is the most significant and important battle in the American culture wars. Because if you don't get the right to life right, you won't get any other rights right. And so I've left Life Training Institute, where I have served as West Coast Director for some years now. Many of you maybe didn't even know that. Maybe you just thought I was on my own as a pro-life speaker. I've technically been the West Coast Director of Life Training Institute, a small team of pro-life speakers that does training and talks in Protestant Catholic high schools and churches. Um, but I started getting such bigger speaking opportunities and started doing less training and more kind of inspiration and motivation, trying to shake the American church out of her reverie, if you will, uh, while doing debates, lectures, and Q&A with very hostile students on uh, university campuses in America today. And then the podcast, which has just taken on a life of its own, and I'm so grateful for. And I'm grateful for you guys for listening to the show. I really am. Um, it's It blesses me, and it's encouraging to get the comments and the reviews of people who say that they've gotten involved in sidewalk counseling sometimes and have saved babies outside of abortion centers. And they say because they listened to the podcast and they felt inspired to do that. And for those of you who send me your comments and your messages saying that you feel so much more confident now in defending life because of the podcast. So that means so much to me. Thank you guys for those of you who listen regularly to the podcast or, or at any point, really. I really appreciate it. If you could give us a rating and review, by the way, if you haven't done that, that really helps us reach more people. So I have officially launched my own organization. It's called the White Rose Resistance. And I, I wanted to just kind of hang out with you today. And I wanted to tell you the story of the White Rose Resistance. I've been aware of this story for quite some time. It's moved me for years. But only recently have I really studied the story of the White Rose Resistance initially from Nazi Germany. And it's one of the most inspirational historical stories I've ever read. But it's also one of the least known stories especially from that time period, from Nazi Germany. And there are many inspirational figures and stories um, 
who's we're aware of and whose stories have been told uh, as a warning to us in our times and as a way to honor these men, women, and families who stood against their Holocaust. Um, but I've told this story to pretty like massive popular figures, and uh, they had never heard of it before. And the more people I tell it to, the more I find have never heard of it. And so I, I almost want to share it with you just to encourage you and to inspire you. If you, if you listen to the podcast faithfully, then you would have heard me share part of this story at Love Life California, the conference that I put together at Pastor Jack Hibbs Church at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills on January 29th, where we had Anthony Leventino, Kirk Cameron, Nick Vujicic, uh, Melissa Odin, Jack Hibbs, myself, and other speakers to get the church awakened and engaged in ending abortion in our state of California at this decisive moment. And I finished my my speech there with part of this story of the White Rose resistance. But I want to tell you more of that story as much as I have time for today because I am building the new White Rose resistance, picking up the mantle of the White Rose to accomplish the goals that these brave young Christians never saw fulfilled or realized. And so let, let me tell you the story of the White Rose resistance and explain how I'm building an organization on this resistance idea and on this new movement, which I believe is going to fundamentally alter the landscape of the country and of the pro-life movement. And I, th- I, I believe that, that this is a providential mo- moment and movement that God has given me in this new season, with Roe v. Wade having just fallen, to gird up the loins of the church and contend against the secular culture and awaken all those thousands of quote-unquote good people who keep their opinions to themselves and don't contend for the right to life of our preborn brothers and sisters. So what is the White Rose resistance? Uh, and, and, and why am I building an entire organization off of this story? So the White Rose resistance was a small collective of German Christians, young German Christians, in 1942 and 1943, um, who were writing, printing, and distributing anti-Nazi leaflets all around Germany. And these young, brave Christians would stay up all night some nights printing out, firstly writing, then printing out thousands of copies of what they called leaflets of the resistance, leaflets of the White Rose. And they would send these all around Germany. Had to be very careful, obviously, because you're buying large amounts of postage. The Nazis are going to wonder why you're doing this. And then some of them would take trains all around Germany throughout in the middle of the night, and they would distribute and drop off these piles of leaflets around Germany that explicitly called out the crimes of the Nazis by name, the, the highly illegal activity they were doing. But of course, you and I would say highly moral, highly righteous activity they were doing. And, and uh, they had leaflets on the tyranny happening in Germany and on the oppression of German citizens and an entire leaflet on the Holocaust. One of the members of the White Rose had served on the front lines and seen Jews being rounded up for slaughter. And they were watchmen for their times. They understood what was happening and were calling the good people to action to stand against everything that was happening in kind of the final hour. We're talking 1942-1943. The Holocaust is more than full steam at this point. And so there's a a few inspiring figures that kind of rise to the surface from the White Rose resistance. And and two of them in particular are Hans and Sophie Scholl. Now, Hans Scholl was a 24-year-old young man and one of the co-founders 
of the White Rose Resistance. And in early 1942, his younger sister Sophie, with dreams of becoming a school teacher, I believe she was a philosophy and biology student, encountered one of these leaflets of the White Rose. And her heart is stirred to action. She was a committed Christian. She loved the Lord. Uh, she came from a Christian family, although her parents were a little bit more liberal, but they were they were committed anti-Nazis. And she really came into her faith on her own. And so her heart was burning and stirred to action. We have letters that Sophie wrote to her boyfriend, uh, Fritz, I can't quite remember his name, uh, and she shared her heart and her horror of what was happening and why Why were so many people silent? Why didn't the good people who knew better start acting and speaking? And so we have a real beautiful window into who Sophie was. So she came across one of these leaflets of the White Rose, and she wanted to join. <laughs> she demanded to know who was behind this White Rose. Come to find out, it was being run and co-founded by none other than her older brother, Hans. And so you can imagine Sophie's kind of frustration, like, what's up, bro? <laughs> what the heck? Why you tell me what you were doing? I, I want to be part of the White Rose. Uh, but as a good older brother, he wanted to protect his sister. You see, what they were doing was highly illegal and dangerous. And you had to keep resistance fighters in circles like that, very tight circles, um, in order to protect yourself and your families and your loved ones, should you be incriminated in these illegal activities. And so Sophie demanded to join the White Rose. And at 21 years old, she became not only the youngest member of the White Rose, uh, but the only woman, at least in the Munich chapter. Now, their bravery actually um, sort of spawned other White Rose resistance chapters across Germany. Uh, but the main one and the largest one was that one near Munich. And so throughout 1942, Hans and Sophie and other friends and members of the White Rose would spend quite some time writing and drafting these leaflets. Um, and then they would print them, thousands of them, and then they would distribute them all across Germany. And they did about five or six of these. And then at the beginning of 1943, uh, they decided to take things to the next level. Uh, and on February 18th, 1943, Hans and Sophie Scholl, as brother and sister, uh, entered the University of Munich. Uh, now, I believe Sophie might have even been a student there at the time, and she demanded to be the one to carry the suitcase that was full of all of these leaflets that they were going to distribute all across the university during class time, when it would be less busy, of course. And uh, they didn't want Sophie to go, um, but she said she'd be the least likely to be searched um, and suspected as a young woman. And so they enter the University of Munich, and they kept their friend Christopher Probst um, back at home because he was married with a child and I believe even a second on the way. And so on February 18th, they went all across the university spreading these leaf leaflets um, right outside of classroom doors all over the floor, on banisters, so that when the students would leave their classroom, they would come across hundreds of these leaflets. And they would say things in their leaflets like, we are your conscience, we will not leave you alone, we are the white rose resistance. Powerful, committed Christians who love the Lord and understood that they had a duty. Sophie once, told, Sophie once said that we are Christian and we are German, therefore we are responsible for Germany. 
So simple, right? So beautiful. You, you, you think about that kind of clarity in the face of like a Russell Moore, Ed Stetzer, Rick Warren, or these cowardly pastors today who, as Martin Luther says, flinch at the one moment that they're needed the most. They abdicate their duty on the most important topics of all, the slaughter of unborn children today. And they say, we're not political. God didn't call us to be political. He called us to preach the gospel. And politics is something different. It's like, no, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, political actions means taking on responsibility. This cannot happen without power. Power is to serve responsibility. And Sophie understood that at 21 years old. We are German and we are Christian, therefore we are responsible for Germany. Or as Christ said, to whom much is given, much is required. Or as Spider-Man's uncle said, with great power comes great responsibility. And in America, we have far more responsibility for the political direction of the country because we can determine the direction and we can vote people in and out. And so they actually did far more with far less freedom in Germany to stand against their Holocaust than most American Christians have done to stand against ours. I digress. So in an iconic scene retold in, in movies and rewritten in books um, that we have from the interviews and uh, questioning that they did of Hans and Sophie, at the very end of distributing these leaflets, Sophie walked up to a banister on the third floor balcony at the University of Munich and she shoved an entire stack of these illegal leaflets of the resistance down to the atrium below. And you know what happens when you throw a bunch of paper, right? It just, it like spreads out and like flitters all over the place. And so these leaflets are falling all over the floor in the main hub at the University of Munich. And this was kind of their final action as they were leaving the university. Unfortunately, the janitor of the university caught Sophie in the act and had her and Hans arrested on the spot. He was a committed Nazi, and they were reading what these leaflets were. And, of course, this, this is capital punishment level stuff under the Nazi regime. And so they immediately had the Nazis come over and arrest them, take them to prison, and begin questioning them. And early on, Hans denied that Sophie was involved at all. He said that it was all him and that Sophie was just playing a prank. She was just at the school and saw these stack of papers and thought she'd be funny and push them off. It became pretty evident pretty quickly that that they were lying and they incriminated both of them. They found incriminating evidence at their apartment where they were staying together that, that incriminated their friend Christopher Probst. Um, and we'll show you some pictures in, just, in a little bit later in the show. Uh, Christopher Probst was, I think, 26. Uh, he was one of the older members of the White Rose. Um, and uh, the day he was killed with Hans and Sophie, uh, his wife was still in the hospital recovering from giving birth to their, their first or second child. Uh, it's tragic. Hans and Sophie spent the next 24 or 48 hours um, denying that anyone else was involved in the White Rose and that it was just the two of them to protect Christopher and the other members of the White Rose. Christopher Propes ended up getting incriminated, but they still denied the three of them that anyone else was involved. And over the next few days, some of the most beautiful and brave stories and statements uh, come from Hans and Sophie and their bravery so disturbed their prison guards uh, in the face of death. 
And this is when Sophie in particular kind of becomes this just powerful figure as a resistance fighter in Nazi Germany for her youth and the fact that she was a woman and her bravery in the face of death. Um, in fact, uh, over the next two days, they would actually beat Sophie. They nearly broke her leg. Um, and they refused to apologize. They refused to recant. They refused to implicate any of their friends. And they refused to admit that what they had done was wrong. They were given sweet plea deals, just like demented Democrats do today. Um, they refused to admit that what they had done was wrong. Sophie said that she would do it all over again, that they believed that what they were doing was correct. And... Uh, in the court proceedings, which were this, you know, if you know anything about your your history of World War II, these total kangaroo court level stuff, right? Uh, I mean, you just had this deeply evil judge who was a committed Nazi who would yell and scream and and essentially tell the jury how they had to how they had to rule and vote. So there is, you know, there's no justice here. Um, and while they were in the court proceedings, uh, Hans and Sophie's parents actually sneaked into the courtroom. Um, and they were quickly escorted out, of course. But Hans's father, Hans and Sophie's father, yelled at, to the entire court and to the entire jury and to the judge. And he said, you will one day stand where they sit now. <laughs> Meaning the judgment of Christ. You will one day stand in the courtroom. You will one day be judged. And you will one day stand where they sit now. Uh, just powerful bravery uh, from Hans and Sophie's parents. Um and, and they were asked to, uh, to uh, agree that what they had done was wrong. And in the courtroom, they refused to do any such thing. And so over the next four days, they were, they were questioned um, and some of them were beaten. And they protected all of their fellow members of the White Rose resistance. And during this time, Sophie was being housed in a prison cell with a cellmate who became a friend in her final hours of life named Elsie Gebel. I believe is how you pronounce it, E-L-S-E-L-C, -E Gebel. And she survived the Holocaust. She was a prisoner, but she wasn't being charged with capital punishment as Hans and Sophie were. And they believed that they would be freed because they believed that the Allied troops would be victorious before their sentencing came. I believe, according to German law at the time, you had about 100 days from your crime or alleged crime, according to the Nazis, and, and capital punishment when you would be killed by the state. But the Nazis wanted to make an example of Hans and Sophie. They, they had been aware of these leaflets for some time, of course. They were doing this for most of 1943. It's now February 1943. It's most of 1942, and now it's February 1943. And so they wanted to make an example of Hans and Sophie. So they were executed on February 22nd, 1943, just four days after being arrested at the University of Munich. And Sophie would tell her friend and cellmate Elsie Gebel during those last final hours um, how concerned she was for her mother. She was really scared for her mother, how she would be able to ha handle the death of two children, two of her children on the same day. And during this, these final days, Sophie would speak some of the most powerful words, in, in my opinion, that, that were even said uh, during the Nazi regime. And, and at 21 years old, Sophie seemed to have a level of moral and spiritual clarity that transcended any of the pulpits in Germany at the time. And if you've studied that time period or if you've studied Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know how silent and complicit most of the churches were in Germany at the time. This is what Bonhoeffer would come to later call cheap grace, that these, uh, these churches had adopted a cheap grace. They had, uh, 
uh, created a Christ and gospel in their own image in order to justify their apathy and their complicity in the face of evil. And many of these churches would actually go on to preach Nazi bigotry from their pulpits, but with the veneer of Christianity, of course. And so Sophie Scholl once spoke to the situation as she saw it and how we had come to this state, how we had come to this place in Germany where millions of Jews were being killed, thousands of political dissidents were being killed, those deemed unfit to live were being murdered, or as the Nazis would say, Lebens und Wertens Leben. It means life unworthy of life. Uh, So you see the Nazis, like pro-choicers today, admitted that their victims represented life, but they were not worthy of life. Uh, The pro-choicers have a word for that today. It's called unwanted, um, unworthy to be given life. So Sophie Scholl understood that the blame lay not with evil men, for those men will always exist and evil men will do evil things. That should come as no surprise. She understood that the blame lay with all of the good people who knew better and remained silent. I want to read to you something Sophie once said in her final hours. I want you, I want you to picture a 21-year-old young woman with dreams of becoming a school teacher speaking with this level of conviction, courage, and clarity in 1943. She said the real damage is caused by all those millions who want to survive. All the honest men who just want to be left in peace. Those who don't want their little lives disturbed by anything bigger than themselves. Those with no sides and no causes. Those who won't take measure of their own strength for fear of antagonizing their own weaknesses, those who don't like to make waves or enemies, those for whom freedom, honor, truth, and principles are just literature, just words, those who live small, die small. It's the reductionistic approach to life. If you keep it small, you'll keep it under control. If you don't make any noise, then the boogeyman won't find you. But it's all an illusion because they die too. Those people who roll up their spirits into tiny little balls so as to be safe. Safe from what? Life is always on the edge of death. Narrow streets lead to the same place as wide avenues. And a little candle burns itself out just like the flaming torch does. So I choose my own way to burn. I choose my own way to burn. Who speaks like that at 21 years old? That level of moral conviction and clarity in the face of a Holocaust. The real damage is caused by the millions who want to survive, the honest men who just want to be left in peace. Brings some clarity, doesn't it, and some understanding to how good people today in America who know better will remain silent, and they'll go along to get along to have the appearance of comfort and peace in their own life, which will only be delayed so long as the good people continue to speak on behalf of the other good people who are too cowardly to stand up and stand in the gap on behalf of the most vulnerable among us, our victims, our Holocaust today of unborn children. Sophie Scholl would say in her final hours, the eve of her execution, to her friend Elsie Gebel, she would say, how can we expect righteousness to prevail 
when there's hardly anyone willing to give themselves up individually to a righteous cause. Such a fine sunny day, and it was a fine sunny day as she looked outside of her jail cell window. And I have to go. But what does my death matter if through us thousands of people are awakened and stirred to action? The prison guards were so disturbed by Hans and Sophie's bravery in the face of death that they would relax the rules and allow Hans and Sophie to meet with their parents minutes before they were taken away to the guillotine on February 22nd, 1943. And Sophie's mother would look at her daughter and say, remember Jesus, Sophie. And Sophie would respond, yes, but you too, mama. She told her mother that what we did will cause waves. And she would tell her cellmate, Elsie Gebel, that there would be a student revolt at the university following their execution. They believed that they were giving themselves up so that thousands would be awakened and stirred to action. The white rose would blossom and the entire Nazi machine would be grinded to a halt. But it didn't happen because all of those good people and honest men just wanted to be left in peace. If you want to learn more about the white rose, there's a phenomenal book written by Inga Scholl, um, who is their sister. Notice the last name. Um, the final Scholl sibling, by the way, died one month before the COVID shutdowns, February of 2020. Uh, th not this sister, but another one. Um, and this sister wrote about her siblings. Um, and I want to read you a couple points from here and then share more with you about the new White Rose resistance. Inga Scholl writes in here, many persons who encountered Hans and Sophie in prison told us about their last days and hours. And by the way, Elsie Gebel, Sophie's cellmate, years later would write a letter um, to Sophie's parents and explain and tell them the story of their daughter's bravery in the final days. She writes, these fragmentary, fragmentary reports came together like tiny magnets to form a pattern, a picture of several days of strenuous life. It was as if in these days, their many unlived years were compacted into a heightened level of activity at 21 and 24 years old. She writes, during these last nights when she was not being interrogated, Sophie enjoyed the sound sleep of a child. Only once at the moment when they handed her the indictment was she shaken. After she read the charges, she breathed easily again and said, God be thanked. Sophie shared with her cellmate, Elsie Gebel, her final dream on her final evening on this earth. When Sophie was awakened after her last night, while still seated on the cot, she told of her dream. Here's what she told her cellmate. It was a sunny day. I was carrying a child in a long white dress to be baptized. The way to the church led up a steep slope, but I held the child in my arms firmly and without faltering. Then suddenly the footing gave way, and there was a great crevice in a glacier. I had just enough time to set the baby, the child, down on the other side of the glacier before plunging into the abyss. Sophie tried to explain the meaning of this simple dream to her fellow prisoners. She said, the child is our idea. The child is our idea. In spite of all obstacles, it will prevail. We were permitted to be pioneers, though we must die early for its sake. After a short while, her cell was empty. She left the indictment sheet behind, and on its reverse, we found the word freedom hastily scribbled. Freedom 
would be Hans's final words with his neck on the guillotine before the blade fell. Sophie's final words with her neck on the guillotine before the blade fell would be the sun still shines. You see, they believe that thousands would be awakened and stirred to action. And I believe it's powerful that Sophie's final dream was that of a baby, that she was protecting and carrying up a glacier. And as her life flashed before her eyes and she fell into the glacier, she was able to rescue the child by putting her on the edge of the glacier. And her interpretation, I believe, divinely ordained by the Holy Spirit, was that the child represented their idea and it will prevail. We may be killed, but we were permitted to be pioneers of this idea, though we must die early for its sake. And I believe that today Christ would tell us that we are to protect that child too. Not an idea, but an actual baby, an actual child, our victim class, for our Holocaust in America in 2022 today. The prison guards later reported, they said, they bore themselves with marvelous bravery. The whole prison was impressed by them. That is why we risk bringing the three of them together once more at the last moment before the execution. If our actions had become known, the consequences for us would have been serious. We wanted to let them have a cigarette together before the end. It was just a few minutes that they had, but I believe that it meant a great deal to them. Christopher Prope said, I didn't know that dying could be so easy. Adding, in a few minutes, we will meet in eternity. They were led off with Sophie first, and the prison guard said, she went without the flicker of an eyelash. None of us understood how this was possible. The executioner said he had never seen someone meet his end as she did. Her final words being, the sun still shines. The reason we think Hans and Sophie brave and courageous, brothers and sisters, is because they sacrificed far more with far less freedom to stand against their Holocaust than we have ever, ever done to stand against ours. While rose blossoms may perish in the fall, they reappear in the spring. And while all of the members of the White Rose Resistance were found and executed, their sacrifice planted the seeds of resistance in the hearts of millions whose actions keep alive the legacy of the White Rose. Thousands have looked to the story of Hans and Sophie Scholl to find courage to fight their own injustices. And so while we face a silent but far more deadly Holocaust, your sacrifice will water the seeds of resistance. Thousands will be awakened and stirred to action and the sun will shine, the white rose will blossom again if we can build the army of resistance that Hans and Sophie dreamed of. That's the white rose resistance that I'm building today. Before I share more with you about it, I want to show you some pictures of these phenomenal individuals who I just told you about. This one right here are some of the core members of the white rose resistance. That's obviously Sophie there. Uh, with her arm over the gate. Uh, the man in the middle uh, with the hat, um, that would be Hans, uh, her brother. Uh, here's some more photos of, of Hans, Sophie. Here are the photos that were taken um, when they were arrested. So that's Hans and that's Sophie, brother and sister. Um, some beautiful pictures of how, of, so this photo is iconic. You'll see this photo um, uh, on buildings and um, 
memorabilia in Germany today. Um, she's got sort of this hipster haircut <laughs> in the 1940s. Um, here's a few more. I believe we have one of, of, of Hans and of Christopher Probst. That's Hans Scholl, her older brother, one of the co-founders um, of the White Rose Resistance. Um, and then it, this is Christopher Probst. Um, they did not want him to come to the University of Munich on February 18th, 1943, because he was a father. Uh, and they pled for his life in court because of the sake of his children. And uh, when, when Christopher Probst was killed with them on February 22nd, 1943, um, his wife was still in the hospital recovering from giving birth. Um, so these were the members, some of the early members of the White Rose Resistance. Um, the Nazis would spend the next 12 months to 18 months rounding up other members of the White Rose Resistance and having them executed as well. Uh, very few survived. I was aware of one who actually lived in Santa Barbara. I think his name might have been Jürgen and just died a few years ago. Um, but they pretty much found every member of the White Rose and had them executed. Um, Sophie and Hans believed that their death would spark massive resistance uh, from students and Christians, but it didn't. They believed there would be a student revolt at the university. They believed thousands would be awakened and stirred to action. They believed that what they did would cause waves, but it didn't happen. We honor their legacy. We honor their sacrifice by doing far more with our freedom in America to stand against our Holocaust so that the white rose will blossom again, so that we can give an account to our children and our grandchildren for what we did to stand against our Holocaust. The white rose, you know, symbolizes innocence and purity, really. And what could be more innocent and pure than an unborn baby at its most vulnerable stage in the location that ought to be the safest for that child, the womb itself. And so I'm building the White Rose Resistance, and I want you to become an ally of the White Rose. We exist to be a voice for unborn children. Uh, our purpose is to educate and expose culture to the evil of abortion until every person has the right to be born. The problem today is there's a lack of knowledge. The, the country is incredibly ignorant. The problem is the opposition. The abortion industrial complex invests almost unlimited resources each year into promoting and protecting abortion on demand. And the problem is a lack of pro-life expression. The church is as silent, if not more silent, on this Holocaust than churches were in Germany on the Holocaust. And so the solution is we're going to educate the public. We're going to discredit the opposition. And you know that that's what I was created to do. And we're going to inspire a movement inviting people into the White Rose to join this collective and movement that I think can fundamentally transform the country and the state of the pro-life movement today. Sophie Scholl's passion and resolve has inspired me to fulfill their vision, to prick the collective conscience of the culture and awaken the church to action. I've made it my mission to build the army of resistance that Hans and Sophie dreamed of to end the Holocaust of our day, abortion, the killing of babies. So I want you to join me in becoming a ally of the White Rose. By the way, I want to show you the symbol that is going to represent the White Rose today. Um, the Gruber family is going to be wearing this in different levels of merch very soon. Uh, and I believe in five to ten years, hundreds of people will have this tattooed on their arms. What is that? And then tell the story of the White Rose Resistance, the silent but far more deadly Holocaust that we're creating an army of resistance to end. Uh, and so keep your eye out for this symbol. I think it's going to become the Black Lives Matter righteous alternative in terms of symbolism 
and branding and an invitation into something bigger than yourself. And so, listen, to build this new organization, I need your help. Um, some of you have supported the podcast. Some of you have given to my account at Life Training Institute when I was still there. Um, I'm going to ask you to join this new organization. I have a wonderful team of partners and donors um, that have stayed with me that I'm able to use to continue supporting my family and feeding my children. Um, and I'm so grateful if you're one of those donors that has helped me fulfill this calling on my life. However, I, I want to build something bigger than myself. I, I want to build uh, a significant movement in this country at a decisive turning point in the fight for life to create thousands of Seth Grubers, to inspire a resistance movement that would end abortion, to finally learn the lessons of history of the silence of the church on virtually every injustice and Holocaust and not repeat those mistakes today, to awaken and inspire the church to stand. And so, listen, I'm, I want to get a thousand allies of the White Rose by the end of the year. You become an ally of the White Rose resistance by joining us at $35 a month, by sharing our content that we're going to be creating, and by creating your own content. Now, listen, I know that sounds like a daunting like homework I'm giving you. All it means is that we're going to be sending you our leaflets of the White Rose, our leaflets of the resistance, giving you concise, powerful talking points to create your own just I, your iPhone videos on Instagram and Facebook because the left is so good at giving their troops and their people all the same talking points. They sound like a broken record and they all repeat those arguments and it creates headlines and it becomes the talking points of the movement. We're going to do that for you as becoming an ally of the White Rose. And lastly, recruit. Find and equip new resistance members to help us build a behemoth... Uh, to strike fear into the heart of the abortion industry at such a decisive moment uh, in the fight for life. Uh, listen, uh, upwards of 2,000 to 3,000 of you listen uh, to one of my podcast episodes through YouTube and through audio platforms. I know this sounds like a crazy vision, but what if uh, what if 400 of you joined at $35 a month? Assuming 2,000 to 3,000 of you listen to this, um, if you join at $35 a month, you will have immediately set us up to make our first hire uh, so that I can delegate, start having other people do things that they're more talented at that I'm not, so I can focus on building the White Rose in America in 2022 today. So you can go to thewhiterose.life. We'll put this in the show notes, thewhiterose.life. That's www.thewhiterose.life to become an ally of the resistance. Of course, you can join at a greater monthly amount. But the invitation is $35 a month. If we get 1,000 allies at $35 a month by the end of the year, we can hire two to three people. We can begin uh, building an organization with me as the visionary and CEO and founder to contend for life on university campuses, waking up the church, creating a database of content and pointing women to pregnancy resource centers through our beautiful imagery of the unborn child online. We have a wonderful vision, a three and five year vision that I think you're going to love, but we need your help to build the white rose resistance today. And so that's the story of the White Rose Resistance. I, I believe that God has given me this vision and this story to build a movement off of. And listen, when you re, when you reshare our content and you boldly join the White Rose and you, and you put this on your social media, and we're going to have an ambassador program. We're going to have an academy in the future. It's going to be huge. Uh, you're going to have to count the cost. You're going to be attacked. Pro-lifers are going to be targeted like no other time in American history now that Roe v. Wade is overturned. And so you join the White Rose and you share our content. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes it's going to feel like 
back, your head's getting chopped off. But you're still going to wake up tomorrow in the land of the free and the home of the brave in your comfortable bed, contending for the rights of children, the rights that we have taken for granted for so long and are now being called upon to contend for and defend as well. So join the White Rose Resistance. Go to www.thewhiterose.life and help me build a movement to fundamentally alter the course of the country and finally end abortion in America. We'll be doing a public launch soon and we'll be giving you lots of brand assets to share online as well, but we would invite you into that. Leave me a message. Let me know what you think. We're excited to partner with you, getting this into churches, youth groups, universities, but we can't do it without you. Uh, If you want to connect with me online, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, give the show rating and review. We really appreciate it. Um, If you want to follow me online or social media, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, and share the content, uh, especially with so many lies being spread about on social media right now about abortion. And then if you want to book me for an event or uh, get me to invite your church into the White Rose Resistance, then go to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com to sign up for my newsletter or to book me for an event. And once again, please join the White Rose Resistance by going to www.thewhiterose.life. Uh, We'll be sharing more about this soon. We'll be having guests on the show to share about this as well. And uh, we ask for your prayers and your support in this turning point for life. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.